Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, and welcome to the Since 71 podcast. I'm Tom Hussey. Today's show is a continuation of a show we did at the tail end of last year regarding A-League women and their inaugural season under their new name. I'm once again joined by Kieran Yap, Chris Goman and Ben Gilby and we go into details about how it went, the format, which is still confusing me, and who were the standout players and teams for the competition. So good morning and good evening. Uh, Good morning to Kieran. Hello. Hello, Kieran. Good morning to Chris. Good morning. It is very early here. Thank you very much for both joining us again from the other side of the world. No I mean, well, technically, the other side. Some, part, I don't know if it's a direct shot through the middle, but somewhere near. Uh, and good side. evening to Ben. Yeah. <laughs> good evening to Ben. Thank oh, yeah. you very much, everyone, again for joining us. This is the the roundup of the A League women, not to be confused with the A League men. How did it go? So we'll go we'll go to Australia first, mm-hmm. um, and we'll go start with Chris. Chris, how was it? How was it received in Australia? Uh, you mean the ch- the name change or? Yeah, the or name change. The, the, whole the, the, season, the, the season in general, I suppose, from your perspective. Um, so I think the competition went quite well um, this year. I think uh, we changed um, one of the big big changes was. Um, Paramount Plus uh, became the broadcaster, um, so so that that was sort of a big change. Um, it was another um, uh, broadcasting uh, or streaming sort of company that did it the year before. Uh, Paramount Plus um, was affiliated with one of the commercial channels, and so they they broadcast a lot of the um, the games as well as one of the. Uh, national sort of broadcasting channels we did um sort of one sunday afternoon match each week um but i think it was it was quite well perceived i i don't know what the viewing figures were if it was more than um the year before but as you said um we had the name change so last year it was called the w league which is like the women's league basically um although the men was the a league so that's not really the men's league but you know they like to add a w for women for everything um but this year it went to the A League W. Um, so there was three A Leagues. In fact, there was um, the A League Women, the A League Men, and was it Juniors or something? Yeah. I don't know. There was an, there was another one here. Um, and while that was sort of seemed like a good idea, it actually got personally I thought it was a little bit more confusing because most people still called it the A League, um, and when they called it the A League, they meant the men. Um, so particularly on the news and things like that, when they were sort of broadcasting, um, you know, results of the weekend, they'd talk about the A-League and up would pop all the men um, rather than, than the women. So, I don't know, I guess it was a good idea. Um, 
I think it made it a little bit more complicated to discern and certainly a bit more of a mouthful when you're talking about it. Um, but you know, it's it's baby steps. I think I think it worked out reasonably well. So, you know, Kieran, what did you think? Um, I I mean, look, there was when it happened, I was I was a big fan of it. So I thought, yeah, that's good. I mean, it, it makes a league set up and named equally. Um, as long as they 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 refer to it equally in all the media releases and and all the all the commentary, then that's fine. But it didn't take long for a lot of a lot of things to go wrong with that, like forgetting to, to say A-League men, A-League women or saying there's like a game on Sunday when there was an actually women's game on Friday and stuff like that. So I think there was a lot of teething problems with it. And um, a lot of people in, in women's football over here sort of anticipated that quickly. And most, I think most most people who thought it would go smoothly were, were men, men journalists, male journalists, like even myself, I thought, yeah, this will be fine. But most women in media at least, was sounding the warning bells very early on. Um, and um, I think think at least for the first half of the season they were right. It, it, it took a lot to, 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 get, to get going right and a lot of clubs and, and the APL stuffed up a lot with their media releases. But, I mean, long term, it, it could still be a good idea. So, yeah. I don't, know, I don't know that it really needed to be done. The W League did have a really good identity of its own before mm-hmm. they did that. But... Um, it still feels like there was more to lose than to gain from it, and I think time will tell. Fair mm. enough. And how was it? Do we know anything about figures? From was attendance is good? Um, did they put money into that kind of side of it? <laughs> how much time do we have? <laughs> this is kind of been my. I've got a piece on impetus about it. Um, um, I don't okay. know if we can link it to this, but um, basically, sure. the, the ticketing was um, was a major problem for the season. Um, they did a lot of double headers, especially for Melbourne Victory, the eventual champions, the current champions. Yeah. Um, so, like, the double headers mean, like, the women's team played before the men's team. So fans of the women's game meant that they couldn't go to the game unless they bought a ticket for the men's one. This was announced after everyone had already bought a membership for the women's team. So two weeks after you'd bought your membership, right. it was told that it was basically worthless or worth 10% of what it was because you now had to buy a men's ticket and get a discount with your women's membership. So... It started off badly uh-huh. for Melbourne fans. Um, my bugbear for the season was that the, the league didn't seem interested in, in growing attendances. They, they thought that the best way to do that was to, to combine, to convince the men's crowd from every club to come along to the women's game, which we don't necessarily want for a lot of reasons, but that's what we have mm-hmm. to work with in Australia. Um, they, didn't, uh, they were more interested in building the Paramount Plus views than, than getting people to the actual football matches because, like, they say they're doing everything they can, and I, I don't want to go too hard on them here because it's their first year in charge of the of the league. But they didn't. Yeah, and they will be listening as well. So yeah, yeah. You know, they are. Um, be careful. They don't on the on the league's official account, the A League's official account. When they announce the game times and and the schedule and who's playing, they don't list. They don't put a ticket link up. They just tell you where to watch it on Paramount. So to watch a game, you have to go to the men's clubs fixtures, find out which men's teams are playing after your women's teams. In a lot of cases, not all cases, and then buy a ticket for that game. It's not listed. You can't even Google the women's fixture to buy a ticket. So there was the top two teams, Sydney and Melbourne City, were playing one day. They were playing before Western United and Western Sydney United Western Sydney. So unless you knew that and Googled Western Sydney and Western United tickets, mm-hmm. you couldn't couldn't get to the game. You didn't know how. It was just impossible. Yeah. Googling Melbourne Man City and Melbourne City and Sydney FC re- retrieved no results. For tickets. Wow. Yeah. I think the other mm. issue 
um, I mean, obviously from a purely watching a TV perspective for me, is that the gate the two games that had by far the best atmosphere all season were standalone games played at local grounds. So back on the opening day, Perth's home game with Brisbane at Macedonia Park, that place was rocking. And then one of mm. I mean, Brisbane actually converted Brisbane when they played um, one of their early season games as well at Perry Park, I believe. Is that right? Mm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the atmosphere. Oh my, the atmosphere in that that ground, a tiny little ground with about three thousand people, and it was insane. And yet, you look at the majority of the games where they claim there's three or four thousand people in in the like in Amy Park or in Cogra Oval or, or somewhere else. And there's nobody there, and you can't. It, it's like it's it, it kind of at times felt like you're watching the games played during lockdown with no crowds in because you could hear yeah. the players' voices on the pitch, and that was so frustrating because you think back to those two games I mentioned. You think back to last season when and before that when the W League games were traditionally played at the smaller grounds in in suburbs or within the cities at, at the, sort of the MPL grounds, it felt a lot fuller and the, there was real atmosphere and sort of chanting and fan culture going on, which kind of felt like a bit, it got a bit lost at times. Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to say, um, I thought there was a bit of an increase in the active fan base, um, which was kind of interesting, but they did seem to be coming, well, certainly for Sydney anyway, um, I don't know about the other teams, but for the the active fan base, it seems to be coming from the men's team because they're they're the guys that all come in all black. Um, they've got the quite aggressive chance, which I'm not a fan of at all. Um, and they're kind of you know a bit more disparaging and stuff to the other team rather than um, this is just the Sydney ones I'm talking about here. Um, rather than you know just supporting your own team, it's kind of like you know not even taking the piss out of the other team, but being actively aggressive towards the other team, um, which I'm not a massive fan of. But like last year, well, the year before I'd say there was, like they didn't come. Um, Last year, there was a small group, maybe of about, I don't know, 10, 10 to 15. Um, And I'd say this year it got up, well, certainly for the grand final, there was, could have been like 100. I would have said, um, all dressed in black and sort of going for it. And there was a lot more women um, in the grand final. But during the year, the um, the extra support actually came out to all the, the Sydney women's games, which um, did quite surprise me because the year before it was kind of just odd ones. But this year they came to all of them. Um, but I think the other thing that affected the attendances too, um, which we you know can't overlook at all, was like COVID and um, like with two teams in particular not being you know in their home home ground so wellington um who were based out of um wollongong um you know they had very small crowds but you know i went down there for one game and admittedly it was sort of rainy and well that was the other thing the weather in over well certainly in sydney anyway it literally rained it's rained all this year like Three days ago, we had three days of sunshine and everyone was just going, oh, my God. Literally every game I've gone to, it's rained. <laughs> so it's been very difficult to take photos and, and stuff in the rain. But, um, but yeah, the COVID thing. So Wellington, um, again, you know, not, not being able to play in New Zealand at all, so not having a solid 
home base. And of course, Perth, um, you know, got stuck out of uh, Western Australia and they were playing all over the place. So sometimes they were playing at Wanderers Park, sometimes they were um, up on the Gold Coast, which is, there's no women's team based on the Gold Coast. Um, sometimes they're in Sydney, sometimes they were, well, what, they had one game, I think, in Perth. Was that right? Um, so that was very, yeah, very difficult for them to get their home crowd along. So I think that affected um, uh, the crowd numbers a lot as well. So, And I do want to iterate that as well. That this is the league's first season in charge of the competition. So previously it was run by Football Australia mm-hmm. and now it's sort of right. broken away. I, I don't know if it was the best year to do that with COVID and things like that, but this is the year they've chosen to do it and um, there's some teething problems. Hopefully they're teething problems anyway. Well, that's it. Any kind of big, big change is going to, you know, it's going to incur incur these kind of problems. So, well, mm. some problems anyway, not these kinds, but problems mm. of any kind of nature. So it's been interesting to see it because, I mean, purely for me, the games were on, I guess, BT Sport at whatever times in the morning. So, and you just kind of happen upon them. So for me, not a lot changed in, in that sense. There was, you know, last season there was... Um, WD games this season as A League games, hmm. they just put it on, put it on as is. I don't know if they labelled it as such. Maybe they did. I can't. Yeah, I'm not did. sure, Ben. But um, and I purely say that because of the. Uh, I, I watched um, completely off topic. Uh, I watched the um, NCAA March Madness basketball, the women's final. Oh. Um, but it and but they didn't put it as NCAA women's uh, women's college basketball final, whatever. They just put it as CBB, which is I guess college basketball. So I didn't know if they maybe had changed something at the time just to make it slightly more understanding to a UK audience. Hmm. Alas, it was okay. Uh, right. So, you know, first first season in, 14 games <laughs> from 10 teams. Yep. Now, my math isn't great, but it makes me feel like not everyone played each other twice. Now, this is a standard thing, I've been led to believe, rather than a, oh, well, we couldn't do it, finish a couple of games because of COVID or logistics or blah, blah, blah. You just, you do 14 games and then you do four games in the playoffs, which oh. makes a total of 18 for some teams, but not others. Well, actually, no, I guess Melbourne Victory played one more than Sydney FC did because mm. Sydney FC yeah. won the semi-final and go straight to a final. Melbourne Victory have to do a preliminary final just to check they're going to be okay to play in a final. Yep. <laughs> but hey, it was two games more for everyone than it was last season. It was 12 games last season. Okay, fair yeah, enough. I mean, that still that. makes no sense. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't make any sense numerically. Um, yeah, but, I guess yeah. It's, look, it's been a long-running thing to uh, actually extend the season and have a full home and away um, season. So even if you you know look at the games, there's actually banners up that literally say extend the season. Um, but, I mean, it comes with a lot of um, – I, I don't know why it sort of started out that way exactly. Um, why – because it's always sort of been short, always. Um, certainly it's allowed the players, though um, – until like last year, really, a lot of the players would play in the NWSL um, in America. So it actually meant that the two seasons um, <clears throat> sort of went together quite well. So you could play in the NWSL. A lot of Americans would come over and play here um, in the W League in their off season, um, and then everyone would go back to the NWSL. So that kind of worked well. But um, now that a lot of the Matildas, in particular, are playing um, 
in England um, and in the European competitions, um, it doesn't fit so well. It means they certainly can't come back. Um, so we kind of like lost those players to the league. So now I think there is a bit more of a push um, to actually, you know, make it a proper home and away season. Um, and so that all the people that are here that are playing can actually play, yeah, full season. But it is weird and it's not fair because, um, you know, literally some teams will play, you know, Sydney twice, who was by far and away during the regular competition the strongest team. Um, and other teams only played them once. So it sort of, you know, it changes the outcome of the, the ladder um, in terms of, you know, what your draw is and who you're playing. And if you end up, um, you know, if you're like a weak team, say like, you know, Wellington, and they have to play um, Sydney twice, they play Melbourne City twice, they play Melbourne Victory twice, they play, um, I was about to say Brisbane, but they weren't quite so strong, not at the beginning of the season. But, but you know, if you play those stronger teams twice, it makes it really difficult to get points, quite obviously. So it, it is a it is a challenge, that's for sure. And the other thing as well is it's, it's the draw, isn't it? Because Sydney didn't actually leave New South Wales until right before the end of the season mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of that was, again, COVID. Um, the, the draw got, you know, moved around and stuff and... Sydney was open for playing. Um, Western Australia was not. Uh, Adelaide had a few problems, but yeah, it made it very difficult. So, the league has plans to make make the A League women's one of the top five women's competitions in the world, and I just don't see how that could happen as long as playing here is a, a career liability long term, because the rest of the world's going going to leave us behind. And five six years ago, we did have one of the best women's leagues, and we had Kim Little and Jess Fishlock on the same lineup, just dominating. So there was a, there's an opportunity there to extend and, and do well and now the rest of the world sort of having these full professional seasons and we're just going to be slowly and slowly more left behind if we don't extend the season a lot of it's financial but people aren't buying that anymore especially now that we're paying daniel Sturridge a couple of million a year to, to sit in a hotel room effectively i think he's played 20 minutes for the season <laughs> so there's money in the game we're just not choosing to put it where it necessarily needs to be put and did the team own the hotel or is it like Oh no, they're paying for the hotel too. It's suffering massive losses for that. It's like one so, sure if it was just like a bit more circular, a bit more of a circular economy. They were like smart about it. We're like, we'll pay him, but he's staying in the hotel. No, nope. <laughs> no connection. It's just a. Com- uh, I mean, I feel for him. He's, he came out here with the best intentions, but the point is, there is there is always money in football. It just depends where you want to put it, and I think it needs to be put in extending the season. Otherwise, we're just going to become uh, a league left behind by the rest of the world. Yeah, and. It, I mean, the the second tier, like American League, is going on a, a winter calendar, and it's been quite. They've been like, "Yeah, we're going to do it mm. to match up with the international calendars," and they're like, "I don't think they're going to have any international players, but fair enough." And then, like the NWSLs doesn't. Well, maybe they will in time, but it's if if everyone's doing it, it's yeah. going to happen. And like, but I don't know what that would factor into these the off-season teams that everyone is joining now, I don't know how that would, how they could incorporate that somehow so that all these players are actually still able to, um, you know, generate a good income and play a lot of football. And if they are selected for their international teams, step up. But again, I don't know how that would really come into effect. Need a billionaire benefactor to buy the competition and just... just... Just yeah. smash money into it like the City Football Group or something. I don't know. I don't know what the plan is either, but there isn't really one at the moment. It's just to, to keep the season small. And, um, yeah, there isn't really – there's the, haven't, the, the APL and Football Australia haven't really said what the long-term plan is for the league. They haven't released that information. 
And I mean, America, uh, America, Australia is a big country, right? So mm. there's got to be a, a wealth of, I mean, we've, we've sort of touched on it before. There's got to be a lot of grassroots ready to go. And there's enough, probably enough teams, even at low level that are, you know, getting better because of just the nature of everyone getting better at football um, and the more people getting involved in it. So there's got to be, there's, there's, it's got to happen surely based on size, like same with America. It's, it's going to be, you know, it's a big enough place to encompass enough teams to do a winter schedule. Like you, I don't know if anyone saw scenes from like, I think it was Sweden or Denmark last week and they're just playing in like full on snow. Yeah. And it's like, well, season started. I mean, I know that you guys won't have to worry about that too much, but not at all. You know, like Australia's weather's not so bad that you couldn't play football all year round. I'm assuming. No, no you could. in fact, it's perfect winter weather, really. It's because it, it is, um, you know, it doesn't. Oh, Melbourne, it gets a bit colder. It might get down to, I don't know, five degrees or something. I don't know. You know, winter mornings, but um, the rest of the country, you know, we, we start complaining it's cold at 15 degrees. So, yeah, you know, it's actually good weather well, for football. So. The, other, the other key is that it is played all year round here. So the NPL, mm. the state yeah. leagues are played now. Yeah at full home and away, and then we mm. sort of cram the, the top-tier competition into a few weeks in summer before it gets cold again, which is weird. So if they had full home and away, they could run it through the winter. Players could play, get enough games to, to, to qualify for national teams and to, to be good footballers and improve and get the games they deserve. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's played throughout winter anyway. It's not insurmountable yeah. to, to, to do a full home yeah. and away. Yeah. But just to see yeah, literally only the W League. I mean, I think that the reason the reason it is played during summer is because um, I think it started well with the A League, um, the men's. Um, so it's not in competition with the rugby league, which is the well, and the AFL, which are the two primary um, football codes here. So you know, if it's played during winter, it's it's really competing for television airtime. Um, with those two leagues because they are by far and away um, the most popular sports here. Um, but whereas in summer um, it's competing against cricket, so it's really a completely different sport, um, and the tennis, which again is a, is another completely different sport, and they're kind of on at different times. And, um, you know, I mean, the two weeks of the Australian Open, obviously the tennis is on like 24-7 sort of thing, but, um, you know, the cricket's on at, well, over summer, but yeah, it's a different crowd, so it's not really in competition. So it was more about, I think, broadcasting rights and things like that. Um, but now, yeah, I think we need to look at that a bit more closely. So I don't know if it factors over there. Like, I mean, over here, if you're a fan of rugby, you maybe like football and vice versa. Mm. Like, it's not a oh yeah, we're going to watch rugby and football today. It's really like, I mean, I don't know if that crosses yeah, sure. over the, the, issue, or... the issue is, the, yeah, but the issue would be for the, the media attention because, mm. yeah. you know, I, I, if you, you go to you go to Australia in, in August, for example, which is when I'm, I'm always there, you know, it's TV is, is wall-to-wall AFL and NRL on free-to-air as well as, um, you know, satellite. Mm. Yeah. So that that's where the issue is. And that that's the conundrum that needs to be solved, I think. Because I mean, it, it, it is you know, it, it is literally there's an NRL game in Sydney on a Friday night and a Saturday and a Sunday and a Monday and a Thursday, you know, and the same and the same in Queensland as well. And it's AFL, AFL, Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth. Yeah. All. So that's what you're up against. More more so than football in this country, it's it's a it's a big big deal. 
Okay. Mm. I mean, I, I I knew it was I knew that you had other bigger sports, but I didn't quite know how much it would have taken of the audience. That's all. But it's maybe oh, they're, they're different audiences. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's fitting it in the schedule, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, there's always there's always like cable channels. It'd be fine. There's like, they just have to, you know. Ah. It's internet. It's put on YouTube. It's fine. Dazona's yeah. done it with the Champions League. It's fine. It's easy. It's easy. Everyone's going to watch it if it's free. Right, yeah. moving on. I'm going to touch on this semi-prelim and grand final thing. A preliminary final. Why? Why? I love it. Um, okay, so basically it was top four teams. The way to explain it best to English audiences, I think, would be that there's a, there's a league and whoever finishes top is the Premier but we forget about that the week after. That doesn't really count the week after. I mean, it does, but but we, we move on. We move on real quickly. We remember it, but we move on. A quick clap and like, yeah, yeah, yeah get your parade so the, later. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so then the top four teams qualify for basically the finals, which is essentially a cup competition. It's a knockout competition to determine the champion. So we have a champion and a premier. Um, usually, well, if you lose, you're out. But now the top two teams get to have a second chance. If they lose, they play a prelim, which is... So one plays two, and the loser of that plays the winner out of three and four. So the top two teams get a second chance for finishing in the top two. Um, that's the prelim final. And then that goes on to the grand final, which is our, our big event on the football calendar for the, for the A-League women's. That is, I mean, I, I do get it, and it does make some sense. But it's like, oh, like number two is just like, well, it doesn't really matter if we don't win. We could always we can see him again. I yeah. think the context, the context as well probably needs to be explained is that it is it is – completely common across the, the two other major mm. codes of football. The NRL have done yep. it for years. The AFL have done right. it for years. So yeah. It, it yeah. sounds weird to an English audience, but if you're sort of steeped in Australian sports and Australian sporting culture, it's it's normal. Yeah. And I, I think it should happen in um, in other competitions. I think with, you see men's leagues like Spain or Scotland or even what the EPL turning into, we have runaway champions in the same teams in the top three or four every season. I think it would probably benefit in the long run to maintain interest in where you could have teams have a chance at a trophy just for finishing in fourth spot. It's not the main trophy, but have a shot at one because otherwise yeah. you're just going to see Celtic and Rangers win every year and you'll be not get games, anything that happens. So you could have Aberdeen sneak into fourth and, and make a charge for it like Melbourne Victory did this season. It just it, it adds yeah. a bit of interest at the end of the season. So you're never going to get rid of it from Australian football and I am of the minority opinion that it should be introduced everywhere. <laughs> I think as well, it, it rewards the team that end the season in the strongest form as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a definite advantage to like being at the top of the table. But it, it's interesting because, yeah, in Australian sport, you really talk about the grand final. You don't talk about – in fact, rugby league, it's actually called the minor premiership. Um, and then you win the premiership by winning the grand final. Um, so, yeah, being top of the league, um, yeah, isn't – well, I mean, it is a big thing, but um, yeah, people remember who won the grand final um, at the end of the at the end of the day. It's like if you say who won last year, it's Melbourne Victory, right? If you say yeah. who won this year, it's like next year it'll be Melbourne Victory, despite Sydney being dominant the whole way through. They're you know winning more games, having the bigger for and against, having more points and stuff like that. Melbourne Victory won. Doesn't matter. So. I think it's and also to point out, it's not just in the the main top level sports the state leagues in aussie rules do it as well right, right. and the npl yep. football soccer football all, do it all well. across yeah it is interesting like because as someone who isn't 
in and around it. So I just we we I look at that and go, hang on a minute, you've not played enough games, and now someone's <laughs> jumping ahead. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. But who do you support? Hey, who do you yeah. support in England? Uh, no one really. Um, <laughs> oh gosh! I, 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 well, I support Atletico Madrid in Spain. Yeah, so they, they sometimes finish first and sometimes they finish third. But if they finish third, wouldn't you rather them have a chance at winning a trophy? Even though Madrid spent uh, Real Madrid spent a billion dollars more. <laughs> it's one of them. Like you, you just. But I mean, we won it last year because they spent all that money, but had a bad season. Yeah. So I it's it, it's luck at a draw. Like yeah, football. As a, as a football that's Melbourne why I like football because it. <laughs> I'm in full favour. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I'm getting less enamoured, I can tell you. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. Like, I mean, and it, I appreciate that there is the investment ones, and then there is the other ones. But it's about having something to play for. But also, it's about it is about luck a lot of times. Mm. Like, if you don't, if you get the right call, you get the right blade of grass. Yeah, and that, that's the fine margins that I really like about football is that you can have some like Crystal Palace beat. Chelsea men's the other day, like give them a real pace in yeah. things like that. Like, and it's, it's because it's just, it, you know, it comes in waves and it's, that's why I love it. Cause it is ultimately unpredictable. Sometimes it's not, but that's, that's what we have. That's the joy that we get. So having the relegation and the promotion and all these things in the different leagues is exciting. But then I guess if you don't have that, you have to have something else to play for. That's so right. They, yeah. There is, there is the A-League, the A-League women in the NWSL. Um, they have to have something to do <laughs> yeah. after they don't yeah. play enough games. Yeah. Um, yep. So, yeah. Right. Grand final. Melbourne victory versus Sydney FC. You were there, Chris? Is that right? That's what I, uh, I was. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I was um, uh, doing photography. So I was sort of um, behind the, uh, the goals or just to the side of the goals. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was interesting. That was actually my first... Um, uh, grand final with full accreditation being on the field. Um, so it gave me a little bit of a different insight too because um, the Melbourne victory players were like warming up, uh, the substitutes were warming up behind me. And, you know, when they scored goals, they were right there and I could hear what they were saying. And it was interesting because they were going, <laughs> we didn't deserve that. And I was going, oh, well, you know, you did deserve the goal, but. Um, you know, it went in and that's the, the nature of the game. But, you know, that one of them was literally saying, God, we're playing shit. We didn't deserve that goal. <laughs> and I was like looking around going, wow, okay, that's honest. <laughs> so I think they were actually, yeah, quite surprised that they won. Um, and, you know, I would say that um, Sydney played better but just did not take their chances. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's the game. But, um yeah, it's a, it's a shame. It was certainly disappointing from my point of view. But um, great atmosphere. They actually got a reasonably um, good crowd along. Um, it, again, rained a lot. Um, there was a couple of, you know, very heavy periods. Um, but, yeah, considering the weather, um, it was actually quite a good crowd. Um, quite often the crowd numbers are a bit optimistic in terms of their counting, but um, this one was up around 5,000. Um, you know, there was a good atmosphere there. There was uh, quite a few victory play, uh, fans up. Um, they sort of had yeah. their, you know, their core supporters up and obviously there's a lot of parents and things that came up. But, yeah, I'd say, um, you know, there's a few hundred victory supporters there, which makes for a good atmosphere. Um and yeah, you know, it was an exciting game. Sort of went down to the um, down to the wire to a certain extent, but um, yeah, it was good. 
enjoyed it. Definitely a good game. So. Right. And uh, the Melbourne Victory fan on the call, happy about that? Yeah, I mean, I they, they had a really tough season because of COVID. They basically had a lot of games cancelled through players getting it and through fixtures being called off. So they, at one point, they had to play half the season in 23 days, I think. So they, was play, they were playing a game every three days. So they were... And they didn't have a centre back for most of that, so they were um, they were just limping through fixtures <laughs> towards the end of the season. So to scrape into fourth on goal difference meant they had a shot because the quality they have up forward, they have um, Alex Chidiak and Molina Ayres and Kyrie Cooney Cross basically leading the attack. Catherine Zimmerman as well. They had a really good attack and they got their defence back for the for the last few games of the season. So they looked like for the first time they had their full strength team. So what we were saying before about having momentum into the finals that gave them a chance. Um, then they played Adelaide first up, and I always said whoever beat Adelaide was going to win the thing because Adelaide were the, were the mm, mm, I thought yeah. the most dynamic, dangerous attacking team. Yeah. They were played like the US mm. national team. They were just like right. full throttle. So whoever beat them, I thought was going to win the thing. And once Melbourne beat them, I thought, yeah, we're in with a shot here. So we can beat Melbourne City easily because we usually do. And then Sydney FC will be a roll of the dice, and in a cup final, that's all you need. Mm. Okay, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, Chidiak, as you said about, like, he's just signed for uh, racing Louisville for a, for a season. Hey, and again, I think we might have mentioned this before. I saw her at Atletico and I just, I was kind of didn't like, I didn't get it. And, and I mean, we were talking off air about that coach at the time, uh, which is the whole thing now, um, myself and Ben, which we won't go into now because that's really weird. Um, but I didn't like, they kind of went and poached all these like international players and, you know, hadn't heard of Alex Chidiak before and didn't quite see what she was doing on the pitch. Or it, it wasn't maybe working in that dynamic. And to, I mean, I didn't really see, I didn't see any games this year, really. Mm. So I'm, you know, not the best criti- critic of it, of her. But she pulled it out, I guess. And, and I know she's had injuries as well. So Yeah, and COVID. She had COVID. Um, I think you can always tell how popular a player is with a club when they move on, the response they get. Everyone's been really thrilled for Chidiak. Every club she's been at, whenever the, she moves to another club, everyone is like really happy for her. So she's in Australia anyway. She's popular everywhere she goes. I think the best way to explain it to an English audience would be like Fran Kirby with the national team. If you just watch mm-hmm. Fran Kirby with, with, with the English national team, you don't really get a sense of what she does because at Chelsea the game's sort of built around her and Chidiak's that sort of player. If you just let her run free she will perform miracles. If you try and shunt her into a tactical position, it might not work so well. At, right. In the early stages of her career, as she gets older, she'll probably get better at that. But um, right now, if she's just able to do what she wants, and I think the American legal suitor for that, then she'll be as good as she can be. That's fair enough. Yeah, I, I just I say I didn't really see it and it didn't quite work. And there were a lot of players that had been in that team for longer in the similar positions. And mm. there was... It was an interesting idea to try and bring in all these internationals, um, just from an audience perspective. I'm assuming, but I just, I didn't, it didn't quite work, which is a shame because you know I tried to get an interview with her and the press guy was like, nah. And I was like, all right, fine. Um, but this was this was years ago now, so I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, the first like English language player at the, at the women's team for Atletico. Anyway, right, other standouts. Uh, we'll start with Ben. Ben standouts. Teams and players. Well, I'll come on to the, the biased purple hat of, of mine slightly <laughs> later, but I will start. Ben at, is wearing a Perth Glory shirt am, right yeah. now. But I will start with Adelaide United because, wow, my God. Mm. I mean, they miss, is the best season they've had in a history. Um, 
you know, they missed out on the finals last year by one goal. And, you know, they, yeah. they were very clear. Um, everyone you spoke to the club was very clear. Yeah, you know, we're focused on going better this year, blah, 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 blah. And you never really know if that's just, you know, sort of like talking shit in press conferences that you get quite often. You know, people say things that you kind of expect them to say. But, I mean, it really, really did happen this year. I mean, they lost their key player. They lost Charlie Grant um, to Scandinavia. They lost um, Dylan Holmes, although she came back in um, during the season. They lost some of their key players. But they kept a lot of their top stars there. Um, you know, Fiona Wirtz stepped up. I mean, she's English striker, played at Coventry United. Yeah. You know, she's been there for a while. She had a fantastic season in the NPL in a very, very weak Fulham United team. They didn't win an NPL game for months last year, but she was still scoring goals. And she just absolutely smashed it. I mean, top score in the oh, league. Yeah. She was incredible. You know, and Chelsea Dorber, who is, who's been, you know, she's a, still pretty young. She's but she kind of feels like she's been around for ages. She fights, she, you know, she's had that presence and she's had that ability for a long time. But this was the year it absolutely all fell into place for her. And then, you know, you, you, you then thinking about the back line, you know, they've got Izzy Hodgson, Emily Hodgson, Matilda McNamara. I mean, they were just phenomenal at the back as well. And yeah, I mean, they, they went into finals as along with possibly Melbourne in terms of victory rock, that is, of getting top players back as arguably be the form team going into finals. And yeah, I was I was surprised in a way that they lost the the semi in the first week of finals. I think you know they they had a they had a home final for finishing thirds. They got a, they got a decent crowd in there. They got you know just under three thousand I think in there for a, for a semi final, and you know they 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 lost it. But I think they're gonna I think they're gonna come back very very strong next season. They've they've kept Fiona Wirtz, and I know Chelsea Dilber has gone to Chicago Red Stars today, but there is hope that she will be back because of the way the seasons align, possibly. So, so yeah, I mean, I would I would say watch Adelaide next season. They they're really going to be a tough tough team next year. Mm. Yeah, and then Perth. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's hard. I think maybe for a bit of balance, you you might want to get a, so maybe Kieran and Chris's view on it from I guess an outside perspective. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, we went into last season in a in a tough spot. You know, we we only knew we were taking part in the league about a month before the season started. So there were no players and the head coach was stuck in Sydney and he was recruiting teenagers by Zoom. So last last year was, you know, <clears throat> awful, but there was a lot of promise in there, despite the fact they didn't lose, they didn't win a game and they hardly scored a goal. But I mean, you know, they did something that very few Aussie teams have done up until now. They recruited very heavily, very early. And they recruited, mm. of those heavily, heavily recruited players, they signed them to multi-year contracts as well. So they got a lot of really top, really, really top young players in, five of whom were called up by um, the young Matildas who played this morning. So there were five Perth players in that squad that were selected. Um, so, yeah, I mean, players, you know, Alana Janteski, um Susan Fonson Cam, Hannah Lowry was already there as a local kid. Um, I'm going to miss someone out on I am. Sophia Sakalis, um, 
I mean, Deborah Ann Delahark, who was already, already there, she just had the season of her life this season, absolutely incredible. You know, and as we said, you know, they were locked out of their home state. They played one game. They were placed placed in North Sydney, which is a five-hour flight away. So if you think about that's the same as flying from London to Saudi Arabia, that far away from home for nearly three months. The players all have jobs or they're at uni or they're at school. So they had to give all of that up if they wanted to keep playing. Um there was a big COVID outbreak. Four players went down with COVID at the same time. There was a big injury outbreak as well. But they kept going and they won and they won and they won. But even in the games they didn't win, the, the style of football they were playing was incredible. Um, you know, and if Canberra United had scored one goal against Melbourne Victory on the last game of the regular season, it would have been Perth Glory in the finals and not Melbourne Victory. And that's how close they came. And, um, you know, from a from a from a yeah from a fan's perspective because at the end of the yes I do get to write about the team but yeah I am a fan and I have been since they started it was awesome it was absolutely awesome okay and from an unbiased perspective <laughs> anyone got anyone got anything about Burberry? so it's hard it's hard not to get wrapped up in Ben's enthusiasm I must say for, for glory but um no they they actually they were an exciting uh team to watch in fact I got to watch a lot more Perth glory than um probably anyone else because they were based in Sydney so um I, I was actually yeah quite lucky in terms of the amount of games I got to see this year because of COVID so we had Perth based here obviously Sydney and Western Sydney Wanderers and um, Wellington played a lot of games here as well um, so yeah sort of they kind of felt like four home teams to me so I saw so many games but a lot of the Perth games were played at uh, Wanderers Park um, which you know is pretty accessible for me and um, it was you know got to know a lot of the players and uh, they were exciting to watch it was great um, you know it really was a step up from last year they seemed to I think having um, sort of the COVID um, lockdowns and being stuck together in Sydney, I think actually made them a lot more cohesive because they were living together, they were going out together, they were shopping, they were eating, drinking, um, and obviously playing and training together. But it just meant they were there 24-7, so they were very close, I think probably more so than any other team actually because of the circumstances. But um, you could tell that they were working really well as a team and had gelled really well and... Um, you know, having a good time and, you know, once I think they'd gotten over the hurdles of being away from home and, you know, being away, a lot of them were away from their parents and things like that, although there was quite a few parents came over, I did notice them at the games, um, or maybe some of them were here anyway, they were from, maybe, I think there was a couple of players that were from Sydney that were playing for Perth, so it kind of wasn't so bad for them, but, um, <clears throat> you know, it really did make a difference, it was, it was, they were a joy to watch, they were exciting, um and uh yeah they seem to be having a good time that's for sure so it was good cool i'm glad any other any other standouts for yourself um not just from perf glory yeah um i guess look for me um i'm a massive courtney vine fan um and she really had a, a great season um uh, last year she had a, an absolute killer season as well and then she um did a knee she had a medial cruciate ligament um, injury which took her out of the finals and took her out of um, contention for the Matildas and the Olympics which was pretty devastating um, but she came back um, beginning of this year and stepped back up was playing just as well as what she did last year 
um, had you know some absolute sort of killer runs, got quite a few goals, set up a lot of lot of goals, destroyed most defenses. She's um, absolutely incredible player. There's there's one um, series of photos that I took um, in the grand final, and she had a bit of a battle with uh, Courtney Nevin, and there's one photo and oh, it's a series like there's probably about 20 photos i just had it on um you know <laughs> i was just clicking away and she's got this smile on her face as her and um courtney is the battle of the courtney's um nevin are sort of playing and she's you know she's just sort of like i mean i'm pretty certain they're, they're fairly good friends but um she's just like trying to keep the ball away from her to cross her and and they're sort of back and forth and stuff and the look on her face and just how much she's enjoying the game and enjoying this battle was just summed up the season for her, really. Um, but Sydney was great too. Um, they, you know, again, another team that just works well as a team. Um, although, you know, you've got, you know, people like Courtney Vine that had a, had a very good season. There's not really, like, a big star there like, anymore. Like, there's not, you know, Sam Kerr or, you know, um, Chloe Legazzo or anything like that. Um, but they gelled really well as a team. And I think, again, it's another team where um, very young. Um, most of them are, almost all of them are under 23, actually. I think seven are, like, born this century. Um, right. And so very young team but but a team that's been together um a long time and just gel really well they know where they're going to be um the coach has been there for Egypt forever as well um and i think that's what made them so strong um they just had each other's backs the whole way through there was no surprises they knew their tactics they knew what they were doing um and they just got on with it and did it and um all very enthusiastic um another one that sort of actually both Courtney Vine and um, Charlie Rule, one thing that I really noticed, again, sort of being on the field and taking photos, um, is how high those two can jump. Okay, Like, honestly, when the corners are coming in, Charlie Rule, I mean, they're both fairly tall. Charlie Rule's a bit taller, but she is head and shoulders above everyone. Like, she's up there with the head where the goalkeeper's hands are and often higher. And the same with, with Courtney. They're both... Um, just amazing in goal when those crosses are coming across up high, and uh, like I said, you know the amount of photos I've got where they're just I don't know, it's like, like they've got power boots on and they've just taken off. It's like they're incredible. Um, but who else impressed? Um, oh man, I can't remember her name now. Um, the defender for the Wanderers that got injured halfway through and then changed Claire the Hunt. fortune of the Wanderers. Claire Hunt. Yeah. Oh my God. She was fantastic. She was just so solid. And like the Wanderers had the second best defensive record, despite um, not really scoring too many goals. But they hardly let in any goals at all until um, Claire Hunt was injured and then left. And then like the floodgates literally opened and uh, their fortunes changed completely. But but she had an outstanding season. And um, yeah, sort of like the first time I'd kind of noticed her. I don't think she played last year. Um, if she did, she must have been on the benches a lot. But um, she really stood out for the Wanderers. Um, they're probably the biggest ones that I noticed. I mean, obviously, uh, yeah, Fiona Wirtz and um, Chelsea Dorber uh, had absolute killer seasons. Um, 
Hannah Wilkinson is another one. She's a bit of a goal-scoring machine. Um, she had a good season in the league. I mean, she's a pretty solid player that's, you know, played in a number of leagues. Uh, she played in Europe a lot, particularly the Swedish uh, or the, the Nordic-type leagues. Um, but she had a great season. Um, she scored like four in one game, right, in the first half or something? Five. Was it? Five. Yeah, five. five in one game. Sorry. Um, yeah. I knew, yeah, it, I, I knew it was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot. It was good. Yeah. A um, bit, little bit, you know, right place, right time with some of those things. But, um, you know, still five goals in one game, five goals in one game. It's a lot. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I know, Kieran, what are you? Um, well, two things I like this season. I always like the young players coming in and, and doing well. So, like, the we had almost every club had someone who was about 15, 16 who came in and made a big impact. So, Melbourne mm-hmm. Victory had Alana Murphy. Canberra had a young kid called Sasha Grove who I'd never really heard of before. Um didn't have as big a statistical impact as Murphy, but it was just full of tricks and flicks and just all sorts of confidence. And she was just heaps of fun to watch. Uh, Wellington Phoenix, um, just a great team to watch. They came in with yeah. Gemma Lewis, the coach, only had about two weeks to assemble a squad. Basically brought in the core of her New Zealand. She's the New Zealand under-20 national team coach. And she basically brought the core of them in to play for Wellington Phoenix on really short notice. They were living away from home, basically um, as a unit in Wollongong. And every game they were... They were going to lose most games. They knew that. But they went and tacked every game as if they were on equal terms and played some really good football. And I think they became everyone's second favourite team, but we're going to regret that because they're going to get very good very quickly and end up <laughs> destroying us all. So, um, yeah, they were great fun to watch. They got a young kid called Alyssa Winham as well mm. who slowly became one of the most watchable players in the season. When she hit form and realised she was good enough, she started just doing some incredible things on the ball. And she was only originally a equivalent of an academy signing as well, wasn't she? She wasn't even in the full squad. Yeah, position. no one wanted her. Like Gemma Lewis no. tried to get someone to sign her so just for New Zealand national team's sake and no one would take her on. And then um, if your listeners want to look her up, there's like a really funny video of her scoring her first goal where she's just <laughs> in absolute yes. disbelief of it. She just can't understand what she's done. <laughs> it's very funny and like it's a moment of pure football joy. Like, But she, apart from that, she's just a really good, clever number 10, like very tricky on the ball, got a lot of vision, um, really brave with the ball at her feet. Yeah, but there's, Wellington's full of players like that and um, they're going to be good for years to come if they can keep them all together. Nice. I'm, ex- well, I'm excited to see how it progresses. I mean, with more teams and potentially Wellington playing in Wellington um, a little mm. bit more once, yeah. they figure, well, once everything gets a bit more accessible. Um, but it will just make it really interesting for sort of home support and and I guess if if people want to follow their team from away, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, I, I don't know how much money it costs to be a, a traveling fan in, in Australia, but I'd imagine it's not cheap. Oh, you can get yeah, around it's... on Jetstar pretty cheap. Okay, yeah, you can get over to New Zealand. It's not too bad. It's about a four-hour flight. And uh, if you only do it once a season, it's probably worth it, you know, chance to buy a bit of duty-free and, you know. With, with a bit of a jolly, it's good. So. The chance to buy duty free. Uh, that, that, I, I didn't even think about that. I don't, you know, that's a, I like that that's the caveat to. Uh, yeah. That's cool. And there was one more thing I was going to mention. Um, what are you guys covering now? Are you going to be covering, was it the NPL, you say? That, uh, yeah. Is that, is that the, yeah, the current? It's, it's kind of, it's been very surprising how that's gone because it kind of, you know, so the momentum continued to build over the the season in terms of covering yeah, the A League women. It's, it's I think it, we, after how last year went, I didn't really know if there was scope 
the growth further this year, but there really was. And it was great to get it. I think not necessarily, it wasn't so much the level of the audience that pleased me personally. It was the interaction that we were getting from the, mm. the players and the clubs. That was, that was when you kind of thought, okay, it is, it is worth all the hours that we're spending doing this because, you know, we were, we reported on every single game, what, what, what was it, 74 games. And, it was a hell of a lot of late nights for all three of us. And at times, mm. particularly towards the end of the season, I think sort of February, March time, I think mm. we were all, between the three of us, I think we were all thinking, Christ almighty, what's going yeah. on? <laughs> what's going on here? You know, this is coming out. Yeah. There was no work Yeah, there was no work-life balance whatsoever. Um, but then, you know, the great thing about Instagram is that you can see who is reading your stuff and you can see exactly yeah. who is accessing that and you know that you could see that there were players from every single club in the competition accessing that some big name players at the clubs accessing that and through that we were able to interview some of the top players in the competition and that kind of made it worth it in those really tick february march was really hardcore but that's what kind of kept us going and then we kind of thought okay, once the season's over, what do we want to do? Because obviously, there, in theory, there could be a big drop-off in terms of audience. So there is the NPL, and we'd never covered it before. Um, so I thought originally, okay, look, I've got contacts in Western Australia, so I'll do something every week on the Western Australian League, um, State League, which is the newest of the lot. And f- football in Western Australia is a very small fish in a very big pond. Um so, yeah, it didn't sort of have much hope of it being successful, but it has been already. And Kieran very kindly said, OK, look, I'll do Victoria for us. So he did the first uh, Victoria NPR rap that went out yesterday. And again, already that's got picked up by one of the, the clubs there. Um, and one of, the, one of the players as well has picked up on it already. One of, we also played W League. Um Perth glory, Hazen Thread. Um as well. So that's been that's been really surprising but great. Um but it is not like the A-League women, we're not reporting on every game. It's one a once a week roundup of a the bit the, the the game of the rounds, some photos, yeah, and sort of like here are the other games and here's who scored, basically. So yeah. I mean it's 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 coverage nonetheless to a to an audience you already have, which yeah. may may not reach other places. So it's it's important. I mean, that's the one thing that I think we can all agree on is any coverage is good coverage. Um, <clears throat> unless it's terrible coverage and then, ugh, then why do they bother? Um but you know, we like we're we're all football fans and we want to know these things. We want to see these new players, we want to see these new teams, we want to see developments to happen across without just having to be glued to Twitter the entire time. Yeah. And the way I watched the way I used to watch football as a kid was through the, the EPL highlights. So they'd basically say at the top, here's a snippet of each game and then here's your main game of the day. And that was for Syria or or the, the Premier League. So I've, I'm trying to do that with the Victorian Premier League because it's it's not really possible. They have really good coverage. Actually, they have an app where you can watch all the NPL games as if it's the top tier. But um, time-wise, especially with the oh, playing in the World Cup coming up, mm. it's just impossible to watch every game in full and give them all the justice they deserve. So I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on one game of the week and doing a snapshot of the rest. That's fair enough. I mean, again, I say it, it's some coverage and it's you guys have got a great platform there. Yeah. So, you know. It's it's a good way to to segue into things that people aren't seeing really, so yeah. And I say any coverage, 
it's good coverage. Um, any final thoughts from anyone else? There's anything that you want to mention about Australian football before we go? Um, well, I mean, I guess obviously it's the international window, so there's games coming up Friday and Tuesday against mm. New Zealand's in Townsville, which has never had a Matildas game before, and okay. Canberra, which hasn't had one for a long time. Um, obviously, in, in the build-up for the World Cup, they're both the two joint hosts. Um, and Australia, the Matildas have got a lot of making up to do after a pretty disappointing Asian Cup, mm. it's fair to say. And yeah, that was that was was that January. I can't yeah. remember. This this year has already just flown by. Yeah, I had the joy of being confined to bed with COVID, and that was my entertainment. Watching the Matildas games in the Asian Cup <laughs> didn't make me feel much better. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I can't believe that's that's yeah that's happened. So yeah, well that's you know it's going to yeah and another inter- we've we've happened upon another international window. So the last podcast we did regarding this fell on international window. Mm. This one falls on international mm. window. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been great to get a bit of a roundup. And again, anyone listening, check out Impetus's website. Uh, there'll be a link somewhere on Twitter or one of the social medias. There'll be something there'll be something somewhere for you to be able to see where all the coverage has ended up. And Ben does some stuff for Since Seventy One as well, um, which is really useful to help bridge that gap because he goes to a lot of games in the UK. Um, Kieran and Chris, any other bits you want to plug anything because obviously chris does photography kieran you're doing kieran you write a lot about films on twitter we've had some discourse yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I, um i write for another website called edge of the crowd and i do um i I mostly do stand-up comedy um interviews and reports there um because that's my uh working background but i um i I'm, i'm branching into film reviews so i gave a really good one to west side story and a really bad one to morbius not the director's fault but it's, it's, it's a pile of steaming trash. But thoughts on Australian <laughs> yeah. football is um, I'm super excited about our under-20s team being in, a, in an under-20s World Cup for the first time in about 18 years. So um, yep. get around them if you're interested in Australian football. Their games are free on YouTube and they're really worth watching, especially for any scouts for WSL teams. You'll get some bargains from our young players. There we go. I hope I hope there's some scouts from WSL teams listening. Um, I, hope <laughs> made it this, I hope they've made it this far. I hope they've made it this far into the pod. Uh, Chris, anything else that you've got going on? Uh, well, I guess um, just to mention the young Matildas uh, played today and um, thrashed New Zealand 5-1. And uh, that was actually made a lot more interesting um, by the fact that the original squad was very strong. It was mostly sort of W League or A League W players. Um, and uh, COVID went through the team and knocked out half because ACT have quite strict um, quarantine rules, not quite as strict as Perth, but uh, it meant that any close contacts had to go into quarantine as well for seven days. So uh, it literally took out half the team. Um, And so consequently, I think an extra seven players were called up today or yesterday, uh, probably today actually, uh, had to get to Canberra um, and play at five o'clock today and um, came through and, yeah, and won convincingly. Um, so that was sort of, you know, last minute spending in the works to say the least uh, for that team. Um, and then on on Friday, uh, Matilda's obviously playing up in Townsville. Then on Tuesday, they're playing in Canberra. Uh, they're coming down to Canberra. I'll be at that match. Um, 
and it's my first accreditation with Matilda, so I'm a bit excited about that. So I'll be taking photos um, for that one. So, um, yeah, look for the exclusive photos. <laughs> at <Inter> <laughs> Can we, also shout, can we also shout out to the Para Matildas as well because they're the, yeah. the latest, new, brand new addition to the um, Matildas camp. As far as I know, there is I've looked and there is no Para Lionesses team. There is an England women's deaf team, but so that they have just come together. They are going off to the World Cup in May. Um, I think there's only six other countries taking part um and the paramatildas are ranked number four in the world um they're fundraising at the moment to try and get there um i think they need at least ten thousand dollars um which is about six thousand pounds uk money roughly um and if you i think if you give at least two dollars you you get supplied a, a virtual seat with your name on it to uh, put on social media to show your support i mean they're they're an incredible group of athletes they're some amazing stories to tell um so yeah we're we're giving them what coverage we can because i think my god they deserve it and it's going to be fantastic yeah. to see how they get on if you can get any of their interviews as well that'd be amazing we are trying let's just say that watch this space <laughs> excellent excellent news well Thank you all. Um, good morning and have a great rest of the days to Kieran and Chris. Very have a nice good. rest of the evening, Ben. Thank you. Thank you all again. Um, and yeah, um, we'll catch up with you maybe next year when we, uh, well, next year, this year. I have no idea what year it is. I have no idea. <laughs> it's all gone. Uh, once A-League A League Women Round 2 starts and hopefully it'll be, what, Central Coast Mariners will be in no, this year? No, no. Not Western United. One. United. Western United. Okay, so one more this year and then one more the following year. So And then it'll be World Cup and yeah, we'll have something about that. But yeah, we'll keep in contact. Anytime. Thank Thanks, you very John. much. It's been good. And yeah, Thanks, everyone. Cheers, guys. See ya. See ya. My thanks again to Ben, to Kieran and to Chris. Thank you all for listening. Everyone here at Sin71 really appreciates any support you give to us. So with that in mind, please, if you can um, rate or like or subscribe to the podcast, that'd be great. Um, we're all f fans of women's football here. So yeah, the more content we can try and produce, the better. Thank you very much, everyone. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.